Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on all those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this my own podcast. I still pinch myself, but thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. He can't be here, so therefore, if he's not here, where is he? It's not about blame, but it's not about the saying that, you know, one party's right or one party's wrong. It was simply about trying to discover the truth. Steve Prideau, had a ready-made group of kids to play with as he was growing up with his two sisters and six brothers. They're very close, uh, the whole family, and they did everything together. Even as adults, after leaving home and finding their own way in the world, they remained close. But a tragedy in 2012 changed the whole dynamics of the family, fracturing relationships which have never been repaired. Steve's younger brother, David, was governor at Barwon Prison which was and still is the main adult maximum security prison here in Victoria, housing some of Victoria's most dangerous criminals. And like any prison, it had its fair share of major incidents, none more major than gangland boss Carl Williams being bashed to death, which was all caught on CCTV footage inside the jail. Carl Williams had many enemies, but he gained even more when it was suspected that he was providing information to police in exchange for some financial assistance for his family. It appears that David was well-liked, well, as much as the boss of any prison can be liked. When he wasn't running the prison, David loved to hunt deer in the dense Victorian bushland, so dense, apparently you can't see three feet in front of you, and that's on a good day. On the 5th of June, 2011, David went away for the weekend with his brother-in-law, but he never came home. 
He disappeared without a trace and his body has never been found. And his brother-in-law has never been a suspect. And I want to make it very clear here that it's been proven that he had nothing to do with the disappearance. He's as devastated as anyone else in the family at what occurred. The coroner conducted an inquest which found that David's disappearance wasn't suspicious. But that's not a view shared by our guest today, Steve. There's been lots of theories over the years about what happened to David. He'd had a medical episode and died and was devoured by wild animals. He was killed due to his knowledge of some information that Carl Williams had provided to the police. He had private and confidential paperwork implicating people who'd committed serious offences. He was having an affair and wanted to begin a new life. Anyway, look, thanks for joining us today, Steve. I can't wait. I think this should be very interesting. And I thought I might start by asking, could you tell us a bit about David's early life and his career path up to when he became governor of um, Barwon Prison? Uh, of course. Um, it's really good to join you today. Uh, look, David, you know, like many kids growing up in the uh, in the 60s and 70s, uh, finishing you know, high school in year 12 and and those sorts of things were never really sort of, you know, key aspirations of, of that generation. And like lots of young people, Dave left school early and uh, started a career as a locksmith uh, apprentice, which got him involved, I guess, in that security side of uh, a business, which ultimately led him to taking an opportunity to join uh, uh, our older brother, Peter, uh, who was already a prison officer at Pentridge, um, and uh, David went in and, uh, and joined the, the dog squad within the uh, within the prison system, and I guess through there just rapidly um, you know, progressed his uh, his career uh, right through to you know running many of the uh, the, the prisons around the uh, the state, um, being part of the uh, the security divisions uh, prior to that, and then yeah, ultimately leading into. Um, uh, you know, positions within the, the, the corporate side of the Department of Justice at various times as well. So a, a long-time um, uh, worker in that field. You know, that's amazing that you say from a locksmith uh, as a kid to the governor of Barwon Prison, That's <laughs> you'd never think as a locksmith that you'd end up being a governor of a prison, would you? <laughs> No, look, you wouldn't. But, yeah, look, David, I guess later in life, become um, obviously significantly more aspirational, um, uh, went back to study, uh, you know, did lots of uh, lots of training and courses of, um, you know, uh, self-improvement, personal improvement, and um, as well as some more formal training in, um, in management and leadership and, and those sorts of things, which obviously helped him progress through the ranks. Yeah. Um, do you remember the last time you spoke with David or spent any time with him? Um, look, at the time that David disappeared, I had moved with my family up to uh, South East Queensland on the Gold Coast, but we were uh, uh, we're very close. I spent a lot of time in Melbourne for uh, family and business and always stayed at David's place. And I spoke with him in a couple of days before his disappearance because we were uh, – uh, in, in the week after uh, he went hunting, we were due to head up to uh, the Rutherglen region. We uh, Queen's birthday weekend every year. Um, we did the big winery walkabout festival with a, a group of family and a lot of David's old football friends. And I think it was going to be the 21st consecutive um, 
uh, winery walkabout. So notwithstanding the fact that I was living in the Gold Coast, we uh, we came back every uh, every June for that, and it was something we uh, we did travel together for uh, about four days and had a terrific time. And I know he was looking forward to uh, to that. It's a, 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 always a good a good time for family and friends. Yeah, and you don't get a much better red in my view than uh, a Rutherglen red. Uh, no, absolutely. It's a <laughs> good, good part of the world. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, so were you ever concerned about what or who that David uh, had dealings with or was he, he exposed to out of Barwon Prison? Um. Oh, look, no, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of personal time with David travelling. I think, you know, the, the two of us uh, did um, motorbike trips up to the tip of Cape York and back and around the around the Gulf of Carpentaria and, and those sorts of things. We just had a, a lot of just bonding time for the two of us. And his phone never stopped in, in terms of um, uh, people management, crisis management and personnel management. Um, moving prisoners from uh, one section to another because of you know security concerns and and those sorts of things. And look, and there were a couple of times where um, there were you know talks of you know threats or um, uh, you know altercations sort of from within the prison system potentially spilling over into personal life and and that sort of thing. So it was a, it was a fairly hotbed of trouble and concern, but. Yeah, the reality is it was just par for the course in in that type of role. Yeah, and I suppose when you get to that position in any career, uh, your phone really, it's people ring you for all sorts of things. So I don't imagine you'd get much um, uh, break, I suppose. But um, so can you tell us when you first found out that David was missing? Yeah, I, uh, I got a phone call on the... The day after he didn't return back to uh, to camp that night, just to sort of have me, you know, on on, on alert that um, he uh, he hadn't he hadn't made it back to the hut. Uh, there was a, a search underway. They were fairly confident um, that they'd wrap it up fairly quickly. So I sort of I packed a bag and I was on standby. I I guess waiting to uh, waiting to hear. And when we uh, we got to the end of that day, uh, late in the day, and there was still no uh, still no sign, I um, uh, jumped on a plane and, and came straight down to, to Melbourne to head up and, and join the search effort. So when you started, when you came down to Melbourne, what did you know at that point about David going missing? I just said him and Rob had been hunting. They checked into the Tomahawk hut. He hadn't made it back to camp from a uh, what was meant to be a, a morning stroll, um, and they got through the uh, the first full day of search in pretty good conditions and couldn't find um, uh, anything, which which was a huge concern because he he hadn't really meant to have walked that far. It was only going for a short stroll and be back in a, a few hours for uh, for lunch. Um, so to have like a very comprehensive search in in good weather uh, for a full twenty four hours and being unable to find that anything was a uh, was a huge concern. And, but he was also a very experienced uh, deer hunter, wasn't he? In a bushwalk, was he into bushwalking as well? I think deer hunters bushwalk as well, don't they? Um, yeah, yeah, the walk, walking, hiking. Um, you know, just David's 
traverse most corners of the high country of Victoria, four-wheel driving, um, uh, trail bike riding. Um, as I say, we've been to, you know, remote parts of the, the outback, where, you know, across the Simpson Desert and all sorts of things. It was a very, very capable uh, experienced and sensible person who uh, was always prepared for uh, the unexpected in terms of the, the things that he carried with him to um, to sustain him in, in the event of a, a misadventure. I imagine those days immediately afterwards, after you found out that David was going missing and deciding to come down uh, back down to Melbourne, that must have felt like a, a whirlwind of emotions for you. I was. Look, we when I joined the search effort, I you know, arrived up there at at Mirijig um, with uh, with my older son. I just came down to Melbourne, rented a car, and uh, and the weather had turned by uh, by then, and the uh, you know, heavy snow was uh, was setting in. And I guess it was really the the initial emotions were just a whirlwind of. Um, of panic and desperation that uh, that there was, you know, somebody anxiously in need of uh, attention and food and warmth and comfort and, and those sorts of things, um, and, and potentially medical medical treatment. Um, it was uh, it was terrible, and to, you know, to head back to the, the comfort of a a, um, a, a warm bed um, uh, at night. Um, uh, sitting there staring at the ceiling, unable to sleep in you know, concerns of, you know, but should we look here, should we look there? Um, did we did we cover that area thoroughly enough today? And and a lot of those sorts of things. Um, it was a terrible, terrible um, uh, emotions to uh, to go through, and, and and the torment on the other family members and. And uh, and friends, um, yeah, D- David's wife, who was just completely and utterly broken and, and distraught, um, as you would uh, expect at that time. It was uh, a really, really tough, challenging period in life. Were your parents alive at that stage, Steve? Uh, our mother was, but we'd lost our father um, about six years before. So, yeah, mum m- m- was still alive and obviously, you know, greatly greatly concerned. Yeah. And so what were your initial thoughts as to uh, what had happened to David? Oh, look, I just presumed that David had broken his leg or or, or something something like that. I, I never really uh, contemplated, like, heart attacks or, or things like that because David was a, 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 fit, a fit bloke. Um, you know, he, uh, he looked after himself. He was uh, he was fit and active, but I I just presume we'd find him somewhere with a broken leg and and, uh, and that sort of thing. But he, he was also the tough enough sort of bloke that he would he crawl out of there with a broken leg himself um, with, <laughs> yeah. without need, without needing any help anyway. But that that was my original thought. You know, we were just going to find him you know, leaning against a tree somewhere, um, uh, injured and um, unable to get himself out of there. So that was. Really, our thoughts at that time in the uh, in the initial days of the search, and obviously that emotion and, and thoughts changed the uh, the longer the search went on, and when the weather cleared up, and and we we're just shaking our heads, thinking he can't possibly have wandered far enough away from here that we haven't covered the area already. Um, therefore, where is he? Yeah, 
And, you know, I can imagine I've, um, I've been a detective with Missing Persons Unit and I've in- investigated a lot of missing persons. And, you know, I can't imagine, as you say, going back to a warm room in a warm bed thinking that um, uh, somebody you love is out there probably freezing uh, or hurt or wanting help and, oh, I just can't imagine, it's almost like a guilt that you're in a warm bed. Well, it was terrible. It was, it was not only that too, it was the, uh, the, 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 the Bushwalk, Bushwalk Search and Rescue uh, team um, you know, some of those guys were camped in swags in the snow um, up at the site in the most appalling conditions. Yeah, only volunteers, so not not the, uh, not police search and rescue and, and that sort of thing, but you know, volunteers basically sleeping in the snow. And um, yeah, felt pretty guilty about that uh, about that too. The uh, you know, the, the, the superhuman effort that uh, that some of those people uh, made to uh, to be there and contribute to the effort. Yeah, they do some pretty amazing things, don't they, those search and rescue, SES, uh, you know, all the volunteers that just come from everywhere. They do. Yeah, incredible. Um, So when did you begin wondering if there was something more to his disappearance? I think the longer the search went on, you know, we got into day five, day six, day seven, um, and then start having you know some of David's friends come up and, and having a look around. And I thought we've covered every every corner of this place. It was a massive search effort, um, and and so he 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 can't be here. So therefore, if he's not here, where where is he? Um, and, and I guess as you start having all, all of those all of those thoughts of um, whether he'd been carted away. And, and you, you start thinking about all sorts of possible theories. You know, there's a four-wheel drive coming around the corner on the wrong side of the road, cleaned him up, put him in the back and dumped him 30 kilometres up the road somewhere. Um, just all, all sorts of – because you, you, you're trying to find reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is uh, yeah a really difficult thing. So you, your mind wanders to all sorts of places about – potential outcomes, um, uh, but, yeah, it was probably really in about that sort of day five, day six of thinking we're not going to find him, um, we're not going to find him here. Yeah. And did you share those uh, theories or beliefs or possibilities, did you share them, them with the authorities and if so, what was their response or, for that matter, did they share with you any thoughts or theories? No, they looked uh, from their perspective. They were, you know, fairly convinced that we would just continue to look, and we would, um, and that we would find him. Um, you know, there was all sorts of talks about whether there was any possible mine shafts in the area or things that someone could have fallen into, and that. But we, you know, we, we were able to discount that eventually by uh, by research. Couldn't couldn't do that at the at the time with the limited resources we had on the mountain. But yeah, it looks certainly amongst a, a few family and friends and, and as I say, some of David's friends who came up and thought he, he's just not here. It's he's just he's just not. Um the, the some some of the bush was so dense that you, you wouldn't have walked off the track into it for any reason at all anyway. So yeah, it didn't it, it didn't add up. 
Yeah. Uh, there was a report that David had some uh, pretty uh, confidential files uh, which were found in his vehicle, uh, which was parked near where he went missing. And I suppose my issue with that is that if they were that confidential and David took his job as seriously as we would all expect and know, I wonder why he'd have those in his car, which he'd driven to the bush where he'd parked and no doubt locked it up until he returned. It doesn't make sense, does it? Oh, look, it, it, I've, I've got no knowledge of what was, was in the car and, and, and not in the car. There's been yeah. lots of um, yeah. uh, lot, lot, lots of stories of you know, in, information and uh, CD-ROMs and and those sorts of things. Yeah, look, and certainly you know, David had access to you know, fairly significant confidential information and some of which he... He would carry it. He, he basically his laptop was a command center that he could you know, dial in and out of the uh, the system at any stage that he that he wanted to. But I'm 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 not aware of what might or might not have been in the in the vehicle. There there was also a report that uh, David may have staged his own disappearance to be with a woman that he was having an affair with. Um, I, I feel uncomfortable asking that question, but That's I feel okay. it's a question. No, I feel it's a question that uh, needs to be asked, and people would want to know. Yeah, of course. Look, um, yeah, look. That I, I guess that came to light as part of the discovery and investigation. When they, uh, they go looking at your phone and your emails and text messages and and those sorts of things, and it was obviously a really uncomfortable. Conversation for uh, an officer to have to go and have with um, with David's wife too, um, which caused all sorts of problems. But look, I I, I discounted that immediately. Um, uh, he was a uh, um, d- d- despite obviously a couple of flaws, he was a, a very very decent, committed, dedicated family person. Uh, loved loved his his children. Um, and his friends and his family and his environment, and uh, David just never would have packed his bags and um, and uh, and run off. I've, I, I never took that thought seriously. Yeah, and I suppose uh, I don't think there's many of us out there or out here that uh, wouldn't have a flaw or a couple of flaws in our personality. I think we've all got them. And unfortunately, I suppose when somebody goes missing like David did, um, every little nook and cranny is gone down and you, you know, you find out things that you don't know about a person. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think we can, um, um, yeah, let's leave it at that. So can, you told me when we were speaking about prior to today that you weren't aware about the inquest being held. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, well, actually, it, it it goes back to the time you spoke about a, a, a moment ago when it was alleged that David might have run away and there was a, an alleged potential sighting of him um, up in the uh, uh, up, up in the tropics and. By all accounts, that was uh, at the time that there was about to be an inquest held. There, we didn't even know that the inquest had been slated. Um, generally, a, a missing person um, is presumed to be deceased after seven years. I understand, and the coroner can wait that long to, uh, to have a ruling, and that they often don't wait that long um, if there's enough circumstance to to draw conclusions um, quicker. But that was the first that I'd heard that, that an inquest was imminent and 
thought to myself, I wonder why we actually didn't know that. So yeah. I took it upon myself to contact the coroner's court. Um, I got all the documentation, all the paperwork and all lodgement receipts and I, I, I registered myself as a interested party hmm. um, in, a, in a formal process, which meant um, when the inquest was uh, finally slated that I would get ample notice and the, uh, and the opportunity to, uh, to attend. And that never Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Happened. Um, so I'm sitting at my uh, office in, in Melbourne and I uh, got a phone call from a, a journalist to ask for uh, a statement on behalf of the family about the findings of the inquest into David's oh. disappearance. Oh, my and goodness. I thought, uh, that, hang on, stop. What's your name? What's your number? I'm going to call yeah. you back. Yeah. So I rang, um, I think I, I rang my brother Peter, I rang my sister Vicky, 
Um, I think I rang my sister Janet. I uh, I can't remember. But I, I and rang my mother um, and just checked in with with everybody, and nobody knew a thing. No, nobody knew that the inquest was being held, other than um, David's uh, David's wife Joanne. Um, and uh, you know when I contacted the coroner's court, they just blamed a uh, an administrative oversight as to. Uh, why they didn't follow their, their proper process and and uh, and let me know um, and then, but yeah you know, then bizarrely I then had to despite the fact I was registered as an interested party and I was David's brother um, I went into a, a hell of a battle with them just to uh, to try and get a a copy of um, the, the, the transcripts of, of what actually happened in the in the coroner's court and who presented and who didn't and what evidence was uh, was brought forward, um, which sort of concerned me a bit that that, that it, it wasn't actually uh, an administrative error that, that kept me away. There was some sort of forces at forces at play because if it was an error, um, why would they be so reluctant to then uh, let me know what had happened? Um, and uh, it was only in the end I went and sought some advice from um, uh, David Galbelli uh, QC over the uh, over the process and what I could actually do that the that the, that the coroner's court relented and um, allowed me to uh, sit down and and read the statements and review what had been um, what had been tendered as a process and it was just. It was just wrong on every account that you had to actually go to those measures to uh, to find out um, what should have been fairly public information. I'm not quite sure where the process fell down because I cannot imagine being a brother of a, a missing person, an inquest being held, and the fact that you've put your name down as an interested party – I cannot imagine how you couldn't have been uh, involved. Like it, that just defies um, logic. It defies everything about the system. That seems so very wrong. What are you, what are your thoughts about? And, and particularly our mother. Yes. And p- p- particularly our mother as well. To um, you know, she, her son, um, and to not be advised that the inquest was being held or the opportunity to attend. Um, I just I just have my suspicions that there's some sort of forces working behind the scenes to um, pervert because I guess at that stage, you know, we were on a, a, a bit of a mission of trying to find out what had happened to David, um, not accepting the, the, the narrative that he had just had a, a medical episode and not been able to get back to camp and I guess it was sort of a, a couple of factions had, had formed between the um, he, he, he he died, he's not coming back, get over it and the no, we, we need to dig deep and see if we can uncover the truth of exactly what happened and I just think there was a, a fair bit of subterfuge and that sort of thing at play to um, uh, stifle uh, our efforts to uh, to do that. Is that where the you you said to me when we were talking that the the family has fractured? Is that where it started to um, unravel? 
uh, at the inquest or the, all the the um, issues surrounding the inquest and you're not being part of it? Oh, and it was pr- probably the lead up. There was a lead up to uh, to that where we uh, we continued to uh, to look. We uh, we'd organised a fairly large scale search once the police had decided that was it. Um, there was n- n- nothing else to do, and we we had a lot of the the hunting clubs and um, and bushwalk clubs and and that sort of thing. And we thought, look, we're just going to get up there and have one last really really good look um, to uh, to see what we could find and and again that got that, that, that got canned my, uh, my my brother's wife managed to convince the authorities to um, not allow that to, to go ahead and I guess that was that was the real point of the uh, of, of, of the fracture in the family relationship there um, I thought I owed it to my brother to uh, try and um, uh, find out what had happened to him. Uh, hopefully, recover some remains and and give him a, a decent burial that a decent person um, uh, would uh, would deserve. And and there were uh, the family members didn't didn't want that to occur. So that was a that was a start. And I, and I guess it blew over with, with the with the inquest. Mm. And you know. I sort of get um, not making excuses for anyone, but we all have different views, don't we, about something that happens. And there are people in this world that they uh, they don't want to look further for all sorts of reasons, and they accept, um, you know, a, a decision. Look, he's he's gone; he's not going to come back. But then there's people like yourself who think, "No, I am going to dig, and I am going to keep going." Uh, those different views have obviously caused a lot of fracture, a, a lot of um, yeah, fracture within the relationships in your family. Absolutely. It, uh, it, it, Irreparable um, um, divisions within uh, what was an incredibly uh, close family, which is very sad. Sad for uh, you know my uh, my kids no longer uh, spending time with their cousins that they grew up with and and all that sort of thing as well. It was uh, Yeah. yeah. Horrible set of circumstances. Yeah, it is, and I, I don't feel right delving uh, like that because you know there's, uh, you know, family issues within all families, you know. But um, unfortunately, yours is um, a lot more public, isn't it? Uh, yeah, of course. Steve, there appears to be, and again, feel free if you don't want to uh, go down this path with me. But there appears to have been some fundamental mistakes, and this is only from what I've read through the uh, coroner's um, inquest and just papers, Um, but there seems to have been some fundamental mistakes made in those first few hours after David was reported missing. And I know it's easy for us all to sit back and criticise, which I'm loath to do because people often don't think rationally in times of stress. But um, are you aware that uh, there was some mistakes made? Oh, absolutely. Look, just you know, basically as fundamental as, uh, the, you know, firearm checks, ballistics checks, um, checking the uh, checking the vehicle and, and all of those sorts of things. Um, you know, uh, it... it at, at, at a basic level of police investigation, you would think that they would be things that would be will be done to, uh, and, and to certainly have a 
um, uh, an interview with um, interview with Rob. I, I I understand the balancing that between the the emergency side of um, there's somebody actually missing and we, we do need to find them. But yeah, re- reality is that the, the nine o'clock at night or whenever it was that the police first arrived, they weren't going to be searching until the next day. Anyway, so there's probably ample opportunity to sit down and, and look at this potentially through broader eyes than just um, there's a there's a missing person because it was you know probably another ten hours before they would start searching uh, anyway. So yeah, I think it was probably some uh, poor poor policing in uh, in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gee. And, and and unfortunately, that poor policing in hindsight, yes, but um, it's about your brother. You know, it's easy for us to say, look, uh, for us to sit back and say all these things, but in the end, it's your brother that um, those uh, some of those investigations weren't carried out the way they should have been. And when it involves your brother, it's a bit different. Isn't it? Well, it's a lot different. <laughs> Well, I guess there are things that you can't do retrospectively. Um, yeah, you had one opportunity to do something and, and do it properly or it just it doesn't get done. So, it, yeah, look, it, it's clearly missed opportunity. Yeah. And so I was going to ask a silly question that how has David's disappearance affected you and your family? But you've clearly um, expressed that um sadly but well that it has um, fractured your whole family so who do you now uh, um, communicate with in your family one one brother who I'm uh, fairly close to Paul who has continued to work with me um, in I guess trying to rattle cages of trying to Get something happening. I mean, we, we, we've been trying to get that police investigation sort of reopened um, to uh, to have a, a, a fresh a fresh look at um, a fresh look at this because in in hindsight, the official narrative now doesn't make any sense. Um, we're uh, we're approaching um, uh, ten years um, uh, since David's disappearance in. What has become a fairly busy place for bushwalkers, hikers, hunters, trail bike riders, horse riders, and, and all those sorts of things, and, and the fact that no one's found a, a, a leather boot or a, a rifle or a pair of binoculars or or uh, any you know human remains um, after after ten years, um, I think only reinforces uh, my my thoughts that he he's not there. Um, and so, you know, so working with Paul on that, I've, I've got another brother, Ray, I, I, I talked to uh, a bit, but it's all. Yeah. It's not the same. No, oh, no it, 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 it's not. As I say, you know, I had family members that we would go on a holiday with every year, we'd four-wheel drive, we'd go on trail bike rides, um, you know, all, all sorts of things, and those, those days are gone, for, uh, gone forever, unfortunately. Yeah. And is your mum still alive or did she pass away never knowing what happened to David? 
No, we uh, we lost our mum in January uh, twenty twenty, um, so just a little over a year ago. So uh, no, she she never knew. And yeah, look, she was also um, you know, part of the inspiration to continue continue searching because um, uh, she realised we had good intentions of you know um, uh, what we were what we were trying to achieve, and that's not about blame. It's not about. Um, uh, saying that you know one party's right or one party's wrong, it was simply about trying to discover the truth, and um, hopefully uh, find David's remains to uh, to bring him home. And that was you know something that my mum was fairly passionate about us continuing to pursue, and and that, that caused more incredible fractures in our relationship. You know, my my mother died um, with no formal service because uh, my sister, who was her guardian. Um, couldn't see the uh, the benefit of trying to bring all uh, all the family together in one place, which only would have caused more conflict and and those sorts of things. We've got a lady who had a, a magnificent ninety one year life, um, mother, grandmother, great grandmother, great grandmother, a uh, great great grandmother. Sorry, um, and a, a wonderful wonderful person whose um, life should have been uh, celebrated, celebrated mm. and respected, and instead. Um, it uh, it didn't actually happen, and you know, and I got, but yeah, even right down to then um, discovering by accident that my mum's ashes had been interred in my dad's grave, and the headstone was all made up um, without any family member uh, sending me oh. a message to let me know that that had happened. It's mm-hmm. it's really deep, dark, and very, very painful, um, and it, and it, it uh, inexcusable human behaviour. It's just. Absolutely, despite the circumstance, inexcusable human behaviour. So um, it's very sad. It is sad considering that when you grew up, you were like you had a ready-made group of friends. And and really until, correct me if I'm wrong, but until David went missing, it was always the same. And then it just banged. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, look, we uh, as a family we gathered every Christmas. Um, there was, you know, sometimes fifty or sixty of us um, every every year. Never missed um, up until the point of David's disappearance, and then um, the uh, the fractures and divisions started, and, uh, and the, the, the the fabric of the family unit just sort of started fraying. Um, uh, until it basically disappeared, and there was no substance left in it at all. And and so, it doesn't get much sadder, does it? And, and so, Steve, with um, with David, if there's no remains, nothing's been found. As you say, not a leather boot, not a part of a rifle, nothing. What what do you think happened to him? Look, the, the, the further I've gone into into this and, and looking into this, uh, it just leads me to the conclusion that he he's not there, therefore he was removed from, from that location and therefore if you're removed from that location, it can only be foul play. It's, it's, a, it's, as, it's as simple as that. Um, yeah. Look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that David was um, – David wasn't working at Barwon at the time of Carl Williams' murder. He uh, he was actually at the Department of Justice running every prison in the in the state because his boss had been seconded to the Bushfire Royal Commission. Um, 
And, uh, you know, David then went back, post-set the bar one and, you know, set about some change and change management in, you know, practices and processes and and, uh, and that sort of thing. And talking with some of David's former colleagues, you know, I was aware that he was leading, a, you know, a pretty thorough investigation into, um, you know, some illegal contraband movements in and out of the prison, you know, weapons and phones and drugs and and all sorts of things, and um, was yeah, probably on the verge of rocking the boat in a in a fairly uh, in a fairly significant way. And okay. I just, I, I think when I weigh all of that up, I, I think you've got there's potentially a, a, a bit of motive, and um, and there's now an implausible story about uh, what happened to him. Uh, hence, you know, our um, uh, our sort of thoughts about. Uh, would love to see uh, an investigation reopened into the uh, into the case. Yeah, it, it sort of all heads that way, you know, from my point of view. I mean, and, and you know, uh, only recently I've been reading about and listening to a couple of radio programs about the number of people that have gone missing up there um, in yes. that sort of area. And, again, there seems to be no... Um, um, no evidence that they're even there. You know, they're yeah. just like like David. They've disappeared off the face of the earth. Like I think there's three or four. Yeah, there has been. Look, the, the, the certainly the, uh, the the famous case of the of the couple who uh, who, oh, yes. uh, who disappeared. Um, we, David and I and, and the family had been into that location many times in the one and get it. It's, it's very very remote. Now, high country, it's, you know, eight to ten hours of four-wheel driving to get into there, whereas David was, um, you know, uh, 20 minutes off the off the bitumen track to um, uh, the bitumen road to Mount Buller. So he, he, he wasn't in a really remote, remote area. In, in, in fact, um, th- these days, within 12 months of David's disappearance, you could drive any car to the uh, to the Tomahawk Hut now. Um, it's a, it's an all an all weather all purpose road um, open twelve months of the year. So it's uh, it, it's yeah. You know, whilst it's the same region, um, Dave David wasn't in remote parts. He was he was pretty close to civilization. Yeah. Um, in in finishing, Steve, is there a message that you'd like to convey to anyone listening out there who who may know something? And I just preface that with saying I hear you loud and clear that um, you are pressing to reopen the investigation into David's disappearance. I hear that loud and clear. Um, but what else do you have to say to anyone out there listening? Oh, look, I guess yeah, my, my motivation in I guess, having this talk today and 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 some other things we do is about keeping the um, keeping the story alive. Yeah, there, there's obviously people out there to be just very happy for it to be parked on a bookshelf and um, and uh, and never disturbed. Um, I, I know over time. Um, Relationships break down, loyalties change, um, you know, c- circumstances change, and yeah, you know, clearly um, there's lots of things that we we don't know. And if there's somebody out there who does actually know something um, that might be able to shed a little bit of light on that, yeah, we'd, we'd obviously love it if they uh, come forward and help um, 
uh, put the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle back together. Mm. And you're right, time does make a huge difference in um, most investigations because, as you say, relationships change, they sour, um, you know, we... um, might separate from one partner and go to another, you know, be with another and you're right, it changes all the time. So hopefully if there is somebody out there that does know something that can help uh, you and uh, your brothers um, particularly, um, but also, you know, David's family, uh, I think everybody really deep down would like to know what's happened and just that little, as you said, that little piece of the jigsaw might be all somebody needs. Yeah, look, I, I agree. Look, I, you know, uh, David's children in particular, um, they're good kids, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they must lie back in bed at night sometimes and stare at the ceiling and wonder whatever happened to their dad. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, we're never going to find answers if we don't ask questions, and that's our, that's my attitude to life. So you've got to uh, you've got to seek in the hope that you'll find. Well, let's hope we help you in finding some information to um, find out what's happened to David. Thanks so much for your time today, Steve. Um, and sorry to go into the, the family fractures. It's never pleasant, is it? But we need to no. um, explain to people what's happened, why it's happened, and to please um, anything you can do to help give the uh, Crime Stoppers a ring. Thanks very much, Narelle. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Likewise, Steve, good luck. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.